as a man came back from the dead. She corrects herself. Claims he came back. How did he do it? She asks. Dr. Satterfield bends to pick up his black bag. He seemed as dead as any cadaver I worked on in medical school. People can go into a comatose state. Obviously, I made a mistake. Maybe something summoned Tucker Haynes back to this world. Something he must yet do. Is that what a preacher would say? Sophie's father, dead now. A preacher no church wanted, with his sole sermon. A rambling monologue about the time Elijah was fed by ravens. What would her father say? The ravens brought him food, and then the angels did. But Sophie can't remember why. She says, He played possum, didn't he? Dr. Satterfield doesn't answer, and she wonders if she has blundered. She asks, What about the death certificate? Will you tear it up? I'll give it to him, and he can decide what he wants to do with it. This conversation is the longest she's ever had with him. He turns to begin the rounds he has made so many times. There is around him that curtain of glass she has always felt. Want to go with us, Sophie? A voice says, startling her. It's Mr. Kilgore, pawing through the linen closet. Ever been to Gettysburg? He asks. She shakes her head. How can she act normal? Mr. Kilgore balances a stack of towels under his chin. Sophie does not think he saw the kiss, but still she can't speak. She reaches out, and he hands her a towel. It feels thin. She'll ask the Veterans Assistance Committee for more, but they'll offer worn-out sour ones no better than these. How many you want? Mr. Kilgore asks. Three, she says, her voice a surprise to herself. Tomorrow she must bathe Mrs. Mack. She came upstairs for towels, and her world turned upside down. Down the hall, a shadow moves. Dr. Satterfield. Mr. Kilgore whispers, Won't a soul believe him now. Not a thing he says. Sophie blazes at him. Tucker Haynes was never dead. He faked it. Don't say that, Sophie, Mr. Kilgore says looking spooked on her behalf. He fears fire, Mr. Kilgore does. He keeps a dozen pitchers of water in his room. His keen nose has saved the house more than once, detecting burning sheets and scorching mattresses. His housemates like to bust into his room with torches of rolled-up newspaper. Dr. Satterfield could tell them all a thing or two. His house burned down a few years ago. Now he keeps a small office on Davis Street and lives at the Waverly Hotel, eating in the dining room and leading, for all Sophie can tell, the quietest of lives. A bugle blares, and Sophie and Mr. Kilgore both jump. A voice cries, I was there at Appomattox, boys. I heard the Yankee band play Old Lang Syne. A breeze through the hall bears the scent of roses, The men have their windows open to catch the evening air. Roses, pink and red, yellow and white, bloom in the garden outside. 
Sophie can smell their very colors. The scent could carry her off as the kiss did, if it weren't for a worry in her mind, a new worry. It will be a problem having Tucker Haynes alive. In the event of Mrs. Mack's death, he will oppose Sophie's becoming matron. He has often said so. His power, his opinions will hold greater sway than before, and he will champion his niece, Henrietta Haynes. The Veterans Assistance Committee will decide, and Sophie is nothing to them. She does not have prestige like Mrs. Mack, who was related by marriage to Culpepper's own late great General A.P. Hill. But now Sophie has Dr. Satterfield's kiss, and she believes that means Dr. Satterfield will take her side. Except he's probably about to lose his contract, and maybe even his medical license. Arms full of towels.